Hi everyone. Rather than the usual theme tune this week, we have a special treat courtesy of Elijah. So we'd like to play you a track he's involved in. He's part of the Black Cat Worker Collective, which is an anarcho-syndicalist collective that runs a music venue and bar in Aberdeen called Krakatoa. And you can find more information about the collective at blackcat.coop. Other relevant links will be available in the show notes. Um, Check it out. And this is Referendum Lies by Toxic Effects featuring the Black Cat Worker Collective. Okay, uh, hello everybody, welcome to Podcasting is Praxis, episode 22 I think we're on. Uh, it's election week, we're recording this on Monday, and we've got some general news for you I think. Uh, I'm Original James, and with me today I have... I'm Elijah, uh, very burned out, but ready for that last final push, that stretch into the glorious Thursday evening we're all going to have. I'm Matt, um... Yeah, how is this still going on? Can it just be Thursday already? Thank you very much. And I'm Jamie. I'm hepped up on medicinal goofballs tonight, so this should be fun. <laughs> nice. Right. I mean, hey, at least it's not... At least we're not Americans for a lot of reasons, but we don't have that insane two-year election period. I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't possibly deal with that. Can you imagine this, like the past six weeks for... Two years, no primaries and everything, and and constant news cycles, and just oh my god, no, I can't. Sounds like heaven. <laughs> oh god, no. <clears throat> Bring it on. 
No. I, I finally understand why, like, people I've known that come over here from America and then gone back have uh, completely lost it as soon as they've gone back and just gone off the rails into massive anger because I can mm-hmm. I can handle two months of this, let alone two years. No, it's it's. I'm I'm sure it's deliberate. I mean, this has been tiring enough for us because the 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 right wing establishments are very deliberately trying to uh, spread as much disheartening, as much uh, as much depression, as much just tiredness and the disenchantment with the whole thing as they can because it's politically uh, helpful for them to have a jaded populace. And I mean, I'm pretty energetic usually, but even I'm feeling just like, oh my god. Well, getting there. We're nearly there. We're nearly there. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I'm mainly tired from having to trudge round, uh, trudge round's constituencies being really unfit. So, <laughs> yeah, has everyone been having a good time out canvassing? I'm embarrassed to say I haven't been doing anywhere near as much as I've got time to do. So I'm bad. No, well, I, I, I had, I was chocker with work last week, and then I came down with the flu. Someone at work gave me that, so. Mm. I'm hoping to get back out in the last couple of days. Yeah, well, I work nights, so the canvassing uh, schedules always seem to be at like midday, which is just impossible for me to actually do. Yeah, um, I've got a long old so. commute, so I can sometimes make the evening stuff, especially if I'm working from home that day. But uh, yeah, I made made a couple of times out, and it's been good getting out and had some good conversations. People in Bristol kind of made up their minds, but you know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't normally get home till eight, so it's a bit difficult to do much in the evenings. Anyway, there's yeah, been... we sh- we're all done making excuses. We're all done making <laughs> excuses on with the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyone spotted anything interesting in the news this week? Uh, there's a there's a phone thief going around in the highest echelons of government. <laughs> there is. Who would that be? <laughs> I'm just Someone's imagining down on this. <laughs> so you get tough on crime. It's <laughs> patrolling <laughs> Westminster to, to catch the phone thief. Um, a journalist tried to ask the PM about the four-year-old boy who was plugged into an oxygen tank, lying on a pile of coats on the floor of a hospital in Leeds. And instead of looking at the phone, he just pocketed the guy's phone. With a <laughs> yeah, I think well, I think it was an IV. I think it was an IV rather than oxygen. But yeah, it was an IV. Um, I, I heard he was yeah, plugging the, the journalist. Yeah. The journalist made several attempts to get Joris to look at the photo, and then he just swiped his phone. And <laughs> I mean, it's obviously obviously the prime minister's a twat. I don't think anyone in the country would disagree with that assessment. Um, but you know that journalist. I mean, if someone steals you, like if, if the prime minister steals your phone, I think that's as as close as you're ever going to get to grounds to slap him. So <laughs> take could have done us all, chance, like, damn it. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Punch him in the nose. Why just, you fucking stole my phone? <laughs> yeah, just get in, get into it with him. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a- would have been would have been entertaining. But yeah, I mean, it just it, it's classic. Classic election strategy, really, isn't it? Three days before the polls, I'm going to steal a journalist's phone to avoid the subject of a a sick child. It's it's great. I mean, he's just a complete coward. Between not going on the Andrew Neil interview, uh, sending his dad (laughs) to to go chat about climate change instead of him, and then stealing a a journalist's phone rather than actually address a fucking picture. don't, Don't forget, like, the, you know, running away from places you're supposed to be visiting because there's, there's like 
a dozen people there with placards or whatever. <laughs> like, I mean, no one's really the, talking about it, but they have gone full Theresa May with him, and it's really weird. You would have thought they'd have understood that didn't work. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, but what what option what option have they got? I suppose you know what I mean. They don't like, have many you options. Either, you either send yeah. you either send the prick out to get like jeered by everyone and, and just make an ass of himself, or you don't. There's not really there's not really a middle option there where you just sort of like suspend him from a helicopter and just swoosh him quickly over the heads of everyone so that they can say he visited, but he doesn't have time to make a make a complete twat of himself. Well, on the note of swooping him over people's heads. Uh, how would you get from Doncaster to Darlington? Would you just get the train, perhaps, or a car? Oh, I think. Um, I, th- I mean, it's about an hour. You'd have to. I would take a zip line. I would probably avoid yeah. being in Doncaster or Darlington, but I'm southern, so I can get away with that. I mean, Don- Doncaster to Darlington—it's just—it's—it's it's an impossible journey, isn't it? Really, I, I should imagine. You'd have to just go the long way around. It's like Mordor or something, right? It's, it's not a journey. It's not a journey that people like. You know what I mean? One does not simply take a train into Darlington. If only there was some sort of fellowship. Yeah, like you know, <laughs> did he did he go by Giant Eagle, perhaps? Close, close. He uh, he got a twenty-five minute flight on a private jet. Well, I mean, <laughs> classic. Why not? So uh... I, I, the, the, the the astonishing part of that for me is that there's, there's apparently somewhere in Doncaster you can land a jet. Uh, Doncaster's got an airport. Jesus. I'm not sure where you actually land at Darlington, but Doncaster's got an airport. Well, they probably just pushed him out of the fucking plane. <laughs> I'm it, not against this. With or without parachute? With his two wee flags twirling around in circles so he can helicopter his <laughs> way down to safety. <laughs> no, I actually, I actually happen to know that there is, there is an airport quite near Darlington. And always twirling, twirling towards Darlington. I know Doncaster because it gets large cargo aircraft in and stuff. I genuinely have no idea what goes on, but there is there is a Teesside airport or something. <laughs> All right, great. Well, this has been inc- very enlightening on the state of air travel opportunities in the north of England. Uh, <laughs> like I'd ever yeah, want to I go mean, there. <laughs> it's just it, it's obviously he's a very he's a very important like fucking you know what I mean asshole. So he, it's it's vital that he gets there in twenty five minutes rather than an hour or whatever it would have taken to drive. Um, so why shouldn't he just take a, a private jet? It's it's you know I mean obviously it, the, obviously there's the climate change thing, but what's a few more like like extinct species in you know compared to people on a train having to put up with Boris Johnson? That said, I given mean, so you know the NATO summit that was last week, I think it was. I mean I've heard of it, yeah. Um, because I of where I live and my route to work, uh, the Trump. Um, cavalcade without him I assume and given that I actually was going uh, went past me while I was stuck in traffic on the motorway last week and given how many cars that's got it might actually be more efficient to move someone in a private jet than that which is ridiculous that wouldn't surprise me if you're moving 20 cars some of them big American fuel guzzling armoured things then yeah the plane might be more efficient yeah, but you've got to you've got to drive him everywhere in that tank because you know if you put him in a jet, then one of those like wily terrorists that Britain's full of, you know, what if the jet flew over one of those no-go zones you hear about on Fox News? <laughs> oh yeah, I couldn't get him into Birmingham ever. Nah. Well, you just you just can't go to Birmingham anymore, can you? It's like Mega City One, just a giant fucking wall all the way around, preventing people from getting in. 
with Islamist Judge Dredd's kicking about. I mean, what we're clearly yeah. missing here, obviously, being dirty pinko commies, is that Boris Johnson deserves to fly his fancy private jet anywhere he wants. Because unlike disabled people, he's smart enough to understand money. And therefore, <laughs> no. he deserves that was that was an incredible segue that was beautiful let's just all give a brief moment of dignified applause for that <laughs> absolutely but carry on one. <laughs> i thought that was clever the i mean <laughs> have I'm tory always, candidates possibly been being terrible again i'm always reminded whenever you hear tories talk about like people using money in, in any sort of way whether it's bootstraps advice or or, or, or whether it's you know talking about shopping habits or something like that it's just that bit from Arrested Development where the mother goes how much can a banana cost nine dollars um, yeah. yeah just so this was I can't remember who it was actually it was the, it was the candidate for Hastings I think um, I should I should really be able to remember her name because she was the candidate for my constituency last election um, but obviously, you know, she's got such deep-rooted ties to the, the region. She's now standing in Hastings. Um, yeah. I want to say Sally something. I, I wouldn't worry. Too Sally and Hart. <laughs> there you go. S- Sally um, and Hart, yeah. A conservative candidate for Hastings and Arai. And she's had, she's had a busy week because she, um, she said that disabled people don't understand money. This from the party of the national credit card. Um, and they should be paid less, therefore. <laughs> and then I think she's she's under investigation for anti-Semitism now as well. Oh, great! Because I, I, think, I think that's possibly that dead cat strategy that you hear a lot about from you know uh, the the Tory party. So she people people are angry at her for for saying disabled people should be paid less. It Let's might do some anti-Semitism to take their mind off it. It might surprise you to find out that anti-Semitic beliefs and eugenics beliefs tend to go hand in hand with a certain type of person. Wow! Just putting that out there. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm not. Huda Thunka. I mean, I'm not saying that she's a Nazi, but if the shoe fits, sorry, if the if the Hugo Boss elegantly trimmed boot fits, then. Uh, <laughs> So was that the only Tory candidate being terrible in the last few days? No, but before we move on, I just I'm, I've looked up what exactly what it was, and um, she she implied that it's it's a it's a classic bit as far as anti-Semitism go. It is it is one of the classics. George Soros controls the EU. <laughs> nice. Oh, and mm. I'm selling her short, and she also liked the Nazi slogan on Facebook, apparently. Oh, yeah, but well, I mean, okay, whomst among us has not done that at some point? Accidentally. Yeah, it's just such an easy mistake to make. Isn't I'm it, still waiting know? for my fucking Soros check. I campaigned right. for Remain. Fuck me. You know, the, the, the <laughs> where's my fucking cut? Oh, can you imagine if George Soros really was paying people to like cause this, like to to go into comment sections on Facebook and insult right wingers? I'd be a fuck. I'd be fucking minted. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't have to leave the house. So anyway, let's, let's move on to the next <laughs> the next Tory atrocity of the week, which yeah. was, uh, I believe it was people using food banks instead of using food. If, if, if I think some Tory guy said, if he was if he was uh, forced with using faced with using a food bank, he would simply take out a payday loan. Yeah, it was the <laughs> candidate for Brockstar, apparently. Is this the one where Anna Subri was sitting at the same table and she just sort of dropped her face into her hands? I don't know about Anna Subri, but where she's ended up being. I, I think it's that one. I'll check. I'm not sure, but I think it might be that one. 
Does he by any chance own a payday loan company or something like that? If he doesn't, I'm willing to bet that a family member or acquaintance or, you know, something like that does. For real. I mean, these people are just not people. It's amazing. Jacob Rees-Mogg is too smart to get trapped in a burning building. This man is too smart to ever, you know, be... To, hungry to, be fair, if he was to be fair to Jacob Rees-Mogg, he is actually too smart to get trapped in a burning building. Lord knows I have fucking tried enough times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there it, was a video doing the rounds on Twitter for that one of the guy saying this. It was at a hosting session, and yeah. the Labour candidate sitting in the session did the most perfect uh, Picard facepalm I've ever seen. Yeah. So was um was the food banks guy one of the other two Tories investigated for anti-Semitism or was he separate? Was he was he doing a, a, a like a a full bit a full slate that week or? I don't remember what his name was, so I don't know which one he was. Oh, and you were right about Anna Subri. It was the one with Anna Subri. Yeah, she her body language there just indicated a a, a was perfect level of despair. At what's become of her? I'm just sitting here next to the worst types of people. Um, that maybe that's giving her. Like that's maybe giving her. Ago. Yeah, it's maybe giving her too much self awareness. But I mean, ugh. <laughs> uh, the Tory guy was Darren Henry. Yeah, he's not one he of the can't... three being investigated no. for, for the anti-Semitism. So Sally Ann Hart is one of them. She's being investigated. The other two are Lee Anderson. Sally Ann Hart did the George Soros yeah. bit. The, the other two are... And the Nazi, the Nazi slogan on Facebook. Yeah. Let's not forget that. Um, and then Lee Anderson, yeah. uh, who's standing in Ashfield, is an active member of Ashfield Backs Boris, a Facebook group where Soros conspiracy theories have been promoted and which includes supporters of far-right activist Tommy Robinson. It's it's that Soros. He's just he's so like devious. He just catches all these right wingers out all the time, doesn't he? <laughs> Money well spent. Uh, perfect weather yeah. vein. And um, and Richard Short, the candidate for St Helens South and Wiston, is being investigated for asking whether a Jewish journalist was more loyal to Israel than to Britain. I love this. I love how the accusations against Labour are always these these like very you know sort of kind of far flung sort of. Um, connect the dots type of accusations which almost seem sometimes like they like, like they're more more dangerous or more realistic because it's like sort of a, a weird kind of postmodern anti-semitism i mean it's almost always not anti-semitic at all but there's this created kind of like sort of image of like a weird you know sort of modern times saying things without saying things, using tropes and sort of kind of postmodern approaches. Yeah. And then when the Tories are anti-Semitic, it's just completely like classic right out the fucking book, just straight back yeah, to the sort Yeah, I of... mean, that's, that's when Labour does it, Labour, Labour, if anything, Labour are worse because their, their anti-Semitism is, is more sort of like insidious and, and devious. You know, Corbyn will pronounce Epstein a bit weird. <laughs> Whereas the, the Tories just come straight out and just tell you that George Soros is a, is a shadowy puppet master who controls the world governments. But, you know, they, at least with them, you know where you stand. With yeah. Labour, it's always... Labour always deny it and pretend that, that that you're ridiculous for suggesting that, like, you know, pronouncing a word a certain way makes you an anti-Semite or whatever. I'll, I'll tell you Whereas, what, you know, this at, least whole, the, at least for the Tories, whole... they, they put the flag on the ground. Yeah. Before we get off the subject of Tory anti-Semitism... <laughs> uh, we should probably talk about Joris Bonson's novel. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> I didn't even know he had a novel until today. 
I mean, I knew we had a novel, but like, fuck, am I going to read it? Clearly, you've people, not people been looking go, like, in the bargain bins. People keep dripping out these facts from it, like, oh, his novel, it was a bit sexist. Oh, his novel, it's a bit Islamophobic. Oh, his novel's a bit anti-Semitic. And people people are going, well, why, why doesn't someone just read the whole thing at one, in one go and tell us everything that's wrong with it? And it's like, are you fucking mad? Well, if you want that, I can recommend the uh, Trash Future podcast, uh, Friends of the Show, who did a, 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 a three-part, a, a three-episode um, take on the book. They read the novel and reviewed it, I guess would be a polite way to say <laughs> what they did with it. Uh, if we ever choose to do anything like that, I'm going to quit the podcast immediately. Fuck no. <laughs> no, all you got to do is just pick one person to read it out. <laughs> I appreciate that sacrifice, and I'm not doing it. Yeah, right. That's fair. Bless him. Well, you can pick one podcaster as a sacrifice to have to read the actual thing, and then he can read out all the choice bits to everyone else to react to, which is a bit less work overall. But it does put a terrible burden on one person. Why are we skirting around this this whole subject of, oh, well, we'll pick one person, we'll get one sacrifice. We're going to get Alistair to read it, aren't we? No, we have to have Alistair's responses, not reading it. Just get him to read it blind. Just, you know what I mean? No, no checking it beforehand. He's just got to go straight in, one take, read the thing out loud. I didn't know Alistair was into masochism, but I guess given his performances on a COC, I shouldn't be surprised. But yeah, so anyway, the... the to sum up, the Tories are an absolute herd of cunts. There we go. <laughs> and on the subject yeah. of uh, Boris Johnson, he's uh, apparently been lying about his Brexit deal again. Oh, yes, fucking sure. colour me surprised, man. Fuck, blow me over the feather duster. Jesus. Slightly seriously for a second, I don't actually understand how this is news. It really shouldn't be, because anyone with even a superficial awareness of withdrawal agreement negotiations would realize that when it comes to Northern Ireland, you're going to have one of two things. Either you have a customs union with the EU that allows for the GFA to continue, or you have a hard border in the in the Irish Sea or a land border in Ireland. It's, it's one of those things. Those are the only yeah. possible options. And people have been pretending like Johnson hasn't always been lying yeah, but- about saying we can have both things. Uh, the, 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 yeah, but the, the problem, the, the problem, the mistake you're making there is that you, you're applying logic and reason. And as as you well know, we live in the hell world and those things no longer apply. If Boris Johnson comes out and tells you the sky is like, you know, the sky is pink or the sea is actually made of like dust or something like that, then it's it's journalism's duty to respond to report that uncritically look it's you, not for journalists it, it's not for journalists to point out that like you know he said that up is down and clearly he's wrong if he says up and down we have to respect that and it, it when when we later find out that if you just believe it in it when we later part. find out yeah when we later find out that up is actually up then you know we just tweet out that he he was he was merely obfuscating and that way we get two news stories for the price of one. Oh god yeah, well, I was just going to make a joke about Laura Koonsberg would probably tweet something like, strong statement on colour of sky from Johnson. Um, whiny Labour accuse him of... of, of ah, fucking whatever. I don't have the energy anymore. It's, it's, it's so much. It's so we've, we've much. Had a, she's had a perfectly good day by herself <sighs> without us pretending anything in, else. I mean, the tweet... The- the tweet I was alluding to there was that she said Boris Johnson. She said Boris Johnson had been obfuscating about the uh, the hard border in Ireland, God. and 
and that was obviously the same thing as Jeremy Corbyn maybe lying about whether he watches the Queen's speech or not. Oh, as if anyone sick. gives a fuck. Completely comparable things. It's it's so rage-inducing. It really is. Oh, fuck. Well, it's not like Laura's got any uh, history of fact-checking anything she says. <laughs> she absolutely does not, no. That so, is... Excuse me. Excuse me. That is bullying. You cannot expect oh, sorry, journalists sorry. hold what they say to any standard of truth or fact-checking. That is aggressive <laughs> bullying. <laughs> wow, momentum. She have to retract what she said today. If we vote for the unusual. Lib Dems, they'll make it illegal to be mean to people on Twitter. <laughs> no one ever posts on Twitter again. For so, yeah. I mean, yeah, cases- what, is, what is Twitter for, if not for being mean to people? <laughs> In case anyone missed it today... Um, uh, you might have missed it because it didn't really make the mainstream news apart, you know, made the tabloids because they're shit, but um, it all got deleted within a couple of hours, but um, Hat Mancock went to the aforementioned hospital where a kiddie had to just lie on the floor. Um, like, I mean, frankly, that's dis- disgraceful leftist propaganda for you to keep saying lie on the floor. They gave him a pile of coal. Oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Fake news. Um, and about five protesters turned up. And of course, Laura had her fucking Tory sauce, uh, Dominic Cummy Wummies. And. Come to. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, just no. <laughs> they write the jokes write themselves. It's so good. Um and yeah, like decided to tweet out, oh, uh Labour have paid like for taxis for up to like a hundred people to go protest Matt Hancock. It's like five guys and one of them's clearly got his bike with him. Um and then there was a tweet saying that uh Matt Hancock's assistant was punched in the face. And then about two minutes later, everyone had video evidence that this was a load of shit. Um, yeah. And I mean, to be fair, we don't know for certain that one of those five people didn't have like pockets full of Ant-Mans. <laughs> yeah. You know, those uh Labour's got the money for that sort of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Tories are just lucky they're holding an election outside of milkshake season. Oh God. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was Man, George Soros. It could have been. <laughs> who punched? Who punched Matt Hancock's uh, assistant in the face? And that's a little bit of a that's a bit of libel for the day. But no. So yeah, obviously everyone called her out, and ITV Peston was up to it. Um, loads of people decided to run with this without doing any checking whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, people have deleted their tweets. Unsurprisingly, Peston actually apologised. Laura said she was happy to apologise, which is the biggest load of bollocks ever. And it's... A... Did she actually apologise? No, no, no. She was happy to apologise. What do you think? All right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's fucking Laura. Um... I mean, if you, you think you think she would apologise if she's, if it would make her happy. Yeah. I, I doubt the, I doubt the uh, veracity of that claim, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, but... it's almost like she's a lying piece of shit. Um... But it, well, while we're skirting around the BBC, the um, this the the Joris hasn't done Andrew Neil, has he? He's not done Andrew Neil. No, he did Mar. He did Mar because Mar's a simpering sycophant. Can I just just to clarify? We had prominent members of the media in, re, invent or repeat without 
criticism or corroboration um, Tory propaganda smears against the Labour Party just in the space of like three hours. And they only backtracked when every, like literally everyone was showing the evidence and have yet to issue I mean, any sort of clarification in the same prominence as the original reports. Yeah. All they've done is change I mean, some headlines. It's an easy mistake we, to make. An editor somewhere pressed the wrong button and they've just, you know, <laughs> claimed that Mancock's assistant had been, like, kicked, kicked to fucking back by a hundred, like, martial artists. I mean, thank fuck someone It's an easy mistake to make, it. you know. They, they are they are supposed to be phasing that button out of the edit suite at the BBC, but it's still there for now, and it does occasionally get pressed. The guy literally walked into someone's outstretched hand. Oh, God, it's beautiful. <laughs> that and was like, it. The protester clearly goes, oh, yes, oops, sorry, mate. And, like, the uh, assistant clearly goes, oh, fuck. <laughs> that was my, you know, that it's, was my it's, fault, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's the standard shit you see all the time when people accidentally bump into each other. And then someone decides to run with, oh, yeah, someone's fucking sparking Tories, which, you know, we would know about it if we were. We would applaud. It, yeah. It might be It might be a good time to just point out and remind people that, that Levison 2, or an actually, you know, serious and concrete um, set of legislation aimed at curtailing the excesses of the press is something proposed by a Labour government, something that the establishment media figures in question are probably not too happy about or possibly concerned by. So, And it is very much not in the Tories' manifesto to every carry, ever carry it out. And no, probably to reverse what was already done. And I'm, I'm, fairly, I'm fairly confident that the, um, the uh, Hatman Cox assistant will be vindicated when we see the, fo- we see the clip on the BBC News and a giant Batman style pow <laughs> sound effect covers the, covers the moment of impact. God. I mean, it's really galling that this, like, we're making up shit about this when you've had multiple Labour canvases sparked on the doorstep. I think one got slammed yes. into a car. Uh, yeah, someone. Well, two two different incidents that I incidents that I heard about when they were both pensioners that got yeah. Uh, attacked. Yeah, there's um, um, there's an SNP candidate in Inverness who's had someone break into her house twice, um, not stealing anything, but just moving stuff around and like trying to be very intimidating, obviously. Um, which disgusting. I, I I suspect comes from a Tory group uh, as well. We don't know, obviously, but. Uh, yeah, it's the the sheer brass neck of these people is <laughs> brass necks are great <laughs> for today as well. Who was that? Yeah, that was, that was Laura. Yeah, Laura. And where is where is all of this real sucking up getting them? Are they getting the support back from the Tories? Are they fuck? So yeah, it turns out all this sucking up. Um, the way that the way that uh, Boris decided, hey, maybe I need to get people to stop talking about, you know, me pocketing a fucking journo's phone to try and get him to shut up about like kids on the floor or coats or whatever, is uh, to put out a story about the media. What can I do? Oh yeah, let's scrap the license fee. Let's kill the BBC. See that one's got me conflicted. Right. <laughs> yeah, but I guess I guess it's been deliberate in part because a well-funded and well-carried-out BBC would be a good thing. 
The one we have at the moment is shite for, for a variety of reasons, but it's probably meant to get people like me to, 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 to feel like it wouldn't be that bad if it was scrapped. Um, but maybe thinking more long-term, we can uh, have a more reasonable approach to this. It just needs it just needs people turfing out of the fucking like politics bit. I think the BBC news would probably be a lot less shit if because the thing is the BBC news is shit, but compared to like the papers, for example, it's much less shit than the tabloids are, or the broadsheets. For that matter, so it's. I think. I think if there were what were wider press reforms, I think the BBC would probably come out of that in a, a much better shape. Anyway, you know. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. All right. Well. Um, but before we before we finish the news, I just want to give an honourable mention to the um, the Sun's Pepe Silvia moment on. <laughs> I didn't say this. Oh, they tweeted out. They tweeted out a link to a story. Um, uh, former British intelligence officers had been working in their spare time and had put together a, oh, a, a network, like a, oh. illustrated a network of hard left extremists with Jeremy Corbyn at the centre. <laughs> um, and it turned out like all the sources were like uh, literal neo-Nazi websites spreading conspiracy <laughs> theories. Yeah, no, like actual names like Aryan, whatever is. Like, oh my yeah, god! Or, yeah, like not even not even subtle. Like it was just literally. So the, the, the former British intelligence officers were clearly all neo-Nazis. Hello, my name is Juiced on Brady 8, and I'm here to tell you all about the secret organization of far-left momentum thugs with Corbyn at their centre. Yeah, that's a reasonable thing. He wasn't even at the middle, he was left of the middle. <laughs> Typical, really. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just, it was kind of, it was like uh, the world's most pathetic game of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Jeremy Corbyn Jeremy Corbyn is, is an adult human male and so was Hitler the connection you know what I mean and oh dear it was it was kind of but they, they deleted that they deleted that by Saturday afternoon mm-hmm. never talked about it and again yeah they were they were desperately trying to sort of shove that down the memory hole yeah um, no it, it didn't happen Com- completely made up so anyway let's move on uh from the news, election highlights. Election highlights, yeah. I uh, thought it might be fun to just ask everyone what their favourite uh, campaign moment was. And I'm hoping we can edge toward favourite in the sense of funniest rather than, you know... The... Yeah, we could definitely go depressing <laughs> with this, but there's, there's, there's three days to go. Let's mm-hmm. keep that for later. We can all be sad some other time. Right, well, who wants to who wants to be first to go and bring up the, the obvious thing that everyone is secretly hoping... I will go for those pick. low-hanging fruit, as I often will, and mention that Joe Swinson wants to nuke squirrels. <laughs> I think this one's everyone's favourite. Been, I, I think, yeah, yeah, I would have picked beautiful. this. <laughs> like, it's, I think in the final, the final edit of the show everyone's going to pick a different thing, but first there's going to be like an hour of everyone just going around. And what was your favourite moment? It was Joe Swinson and the fucking squirrels. <laughs> what, Joe Swinson's fucking squirrels now? They've, they've made a peace pact. <laughs> She's nuking them, then fucking them? What? Oh, wow. dear, no. I mean, the, the, 
I mentioned this in another episode, but part of why it's so good is that Nick Clegg, former notorious lying Lib Dem, went to work for Facebook and was part of their decision to not ban fake news stories from their platform, which oh, then, of course, so circled good. circled round to, to, to back current lying Lib Dem leader Joe Swinson in the arse about a fake news story about her torturing squirrels with a slingshot or whatever it was you keep, you keep saying fake news story but it, it's actually true it is true and fake news is, is real news yeah. we all know this absolutely yeah. and she definitely kills squirrels i mean it, in the in the swin zone it is it is legitimately terrifying how desperate she is to fucking nuke something like she would not have been out of place in that gammon episode of question time yeah yeah so what was it she said on that didn't she basically say yes i would nuke people first or something like that she didn't let the question finish yeah they hadn't even finished the question before she was already foaming at the mouth <laughs> would you launch yes um pr- pretty much uh launch anything yeah just yeah. fucking nuke them i've got a semi let's go yeah Launch a missile, launch a manifesto, launch a squirrel. So I'll go for my second favourite then, since I can't have my first one, which was the Channel 4 climate debate, Ice Sculptures. That was good. And my favourite moment is is related to that. (laughs) It was Boris Johnson getting his dad because Channel 4 were picking on him. (laughs) So good. That was just such incredible leader of a world power energy. Who was... The like of which you've never fucking... Like, even Donald Trump hasn't stooped that low as people... Donald Trump has a meltdown every fucking day about how people are picking on him and how mean it is and it's disgraceful and leave him alone. And even he hasn't, like, bothered to, like dredge up his dad's corpse and send him into the news who was the guy who this was a couple of years ago i think who claimed that corbin was sending someone in Sinn fein to, to phone his dad or or, or, oh. or. <laughs> supposedly threatened to call someone's dad, he threatened to call his dad? <laughs> 2017 is down the memory hole by this point i mean that's that's kind of the inverse isn't it really like if you yeah, if, someone you know was, what I mean? if you don't if you don't fall in line i'm going to ring your dad and get him to sort you out is is the the polar opposite of uh, well you if you won't let michael gove appear on on this leaders debate i'm sending my dad around because my dad's gonna beat up your dad yeah my dad will beat up channel four and that will definitely work and it, there is literally no way this could possibly backfire i just remember a lot just, of chat about someone's Sinn Féin dad I'm, I'm really scared of corbin phoning up my Sinn Féin dad to tell me off Oh, that was um, that probably didn't fucking happen because that was one of those leaks from the uh, the PLP. Oh yeah, the ones that mysteriously stopped once all the melts fucked off and joined Cucktig. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was, um, but it was it was one of the it was in a similar sort of uh, vein as the I told Diane Abbott to fuck off mm-hmm. thing. That was, uh, it was it was supposedly supposedly threatened to call someone's dad during a PLP. <laughs> I mean the the. It's just a hilarious image, or even just the fact that someone thought that would be like a, a legit smear that they could leak, like that would reflect badly on Corbin and not the guy who's I mean, terrified of his dad. To, <laughs> to be fair, it's more legitimate than some of the fucking smears they've tried. I mean, a little bit. <laughs> it's a low bar. No, it is. It is a very low bar. Is, uh, Elijah, what, well, what, what have yeah. you enjoyed? I, well, I mean, apart from the obvious ones that I, that I would have gone with, I think I've, um, one of my l- l- biggest chuckles that I got was when uh, Sam Gima <laughs> tweeted that Melania Trump wearing yellow, <laughs> a big yellow cloak, was a legit secret Lib Dem boost. <laughs> there we go. Melania <laughs> Trump is a piss diamond. 
<laughs> that he thought, yeah. first of all, that that would be like a good person to have boosting your party. Uh, and that secondly, it was reasonable to, to make that connection and actually tweet it the fuck out. Like you write out the tweet, you have the image, you, you put work into editing the damn thing. <laughs> it, was, it was some incredible like uh, grandma on Facebook energy, that post, mm-hmm. it really was. On related notes, did you know that bananas also support the Lib Dems? And the EU has an interest in them. Does that um, expensive art banana, did that did that support the Lib Dems before its tragic demise? Yes, yes, it did. All bananas, except those purple ones, those fucking racists. Except those straight ones that the EU forced us all to eat. Exactly. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh. All right, do we have any honourable mentions for election um, moments? I've got one. I like the bit in the um, in the other debate. I forget which one. There was too many of them. But it was when Nicola Sturgeon accused Richard Tice uh, yeah, of, of wanting to sell off the NHS. And he said, stop lying to the British public. And she just went, oh, you've got form for that. And he looked like he'd been smacked across the face. I don't, I don't even face. think she was accusing him. I think she was she was accusing whoever was there for the Tories. Mm. And he just he just windmilled mm. in because, you know... He's a fucking he, Tory. Well, I mean, he's he's an absolute fucking helmet. So he decided he would just <laughs> put the woman in her place. And then she, he said she was lying to the British public. And, and she went, well, you've got form on that. And he genuinely looked like someone had kicked him in the face. <laughs> so good. It was really funny. Yeah. Well, that's my honourable mention. Um Everything else that's been really funny kind of happened was sort of before the election period started. It's been a bit depressing since then. But uh, I think we're going to remember stuff like the amazing Nando's meal picture with uh, was it Anna Subri just getting a salad and a bottled water. Oh, I think I think when people look back at like, you know, the political highlights of this year, I think Change UK, the independent group, it's is going to so factor good. into a lot of yeah. top 10 lists of shit moments funny tinges conclusively prove god is dead yeah that's great launching yeah, oh, launching I mean, your own melt party because of racism in the labor party and then two hours later at your first public appearance um talking about people with a funny tinge is i mean to be fair to be fair to <laughs> everyone involved in the the cook tig independent fund whatever they are um they they you cannot accuse them of not punching above their weight when it comes to like twatting things up mm-hmm it was some world class twatting stuff up. For the for there only being like at any given moment anywhere between three and twelve of them. I don't know how many they had at the peak. I don't think they went above nine, nine ever, did they? I, I, I don't know. I didn't I pay know. attention to yeah. them because <laughs> they're going away soon. Understandable. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Mikey boy. Time to lose your seat. Uh, well, we'll be looking forward to that on Thursday evening. Um, we'll have more on that um, once we get closer to our scheduled live stream, which is going to be lots of fun. Uh, I have promised to drink profusely throughout the entirety of it, um, so that'll be entertaining if nothing else. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, give some more details of the live stream towards the end of this episode, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, anyone else got any more highlights, or are we about highlighted out for the moment? I think that's it. I, I'm ready for this this election to end now, and for delight or horrible disappointment. Well, we've still got the actual election to take place, so we thought it might be uh, good to just quickly go over um, what happens um, with your ballot once you put your X on the paper. What actually happens to it? Um, so yesterday, I had a chat with our resident expert on election matters. 
Um, and I have a recording of that chat, which we'll put in here. I'm here with our favorite expert on election matters to discuss what happens to your vote from you crossing the box until the final declaration. Okay, I'll just get right into the process. The count, as everyone knows, happens after the polls have closed in the election, but it actually starts a little bit before that, because, of course, you have postal votes. Postal votes have to, are different to regular votes, but not, not in terms of how they're counted or how they're reckoned, but how they're picked up, because obviously they get posted in across several weeks before the election. Now, you'll sometimes hear people saying, oh, we took a look at the postal votes and it indicates X. These people should not be saying that. This is about the most important thing we can say. Because what's meant to happen to a postal vote is it's meant to turn up, folded in half in the envelope, and then it gets put into a ballot box the same as any other vote. There's a log kept of how many postal votes come in. And so each of those ballot boxes, well, at least in my area, I don't know how other areas handle it but in my area they will be counted as they go into the box so when we get those boxes to count each box will contain exactly 500 votes no more no less and we really have to check that because there's two stages to a count and it begins with the postal votes because of course they're already in place when the when, when the polls close so they are going to be on site at the counting area wherever it may happen to be uh, whereas the rest of the boxes have to be shipped in from the polling stations which can be across quite a wide geographical area sometimes so the postal votes are tallied first and that's the first stage it is the tally the returning officer for each constituency will have the polling logs taken from the polling stations as they come in and also a count of the postal votes which have already come in. So he knows exactly how many votes have been cast in an election or should have been okay. cast in the election. And it's the first job of the counting teams is to ensure that that number is correct because that means no ballots have been added, no ballots have been lost. That makes sense, yep. Yep, that's just an accuracy of counts. And literally these, there will be teams of four generally. A count team will be four people. There'll be one count officer and three count it's, you're just called count team members um, there is the term counting agents but that doesn't apply to us That's at, the counting agents are actually agents of the parties and they supervise the count teams uh, and keep track of records for their own party during the count phase uh, just to make sure that they can come back and say yeah we saw that there was this many votes so our total in the results sounds right there's no reason to question it Okay, so... But getting back to the count teams, the count, the count officer will basically will bring over a box, the box gets dumped out on the table, and it's then divided up four ways, and it's everyone's job to just count and make sure that there's the right number of votes, which will be, as I say, 500 for a postal box. For a regular box, you know, it'll come in from St. Sweeney's Chapel or wherever it is, that, that po particular polling station, there was 87 votes logged there. Uh, and we'll just count the votes came out of that box to make sure that, yeah, there's actually 87, same as the number of names that were ticked off the electoral roll and the number of ballot papers issued. Once that is done, it will be checked off and verified. Uh, everybody checks everyone else's work, usually. So you'll have each member of the team counting out a pile of 50, a pile of 50, a pile of 50. Those piles go to somebody else who then checks that there's 50, 50, 50. And then everything gets reckoned up. It all goes back. If it's right, we get another box. 
If it's wrong, it comes back and says careless again, please, just to make sure. So it's tallied, it's double checked and often triple checked. Okay. So there isn't really much room for changing the number of votes. Uh, th this is something people say, what's to stop some guy just writing out a bunch of ballot papers? The answer is because we know how many there's meant to be. Mm -hmm. It's been checked. What happens if that number doesn't match even after triple checking it? If it doesn't match, even after triple checking it, it's assumed that the original count is wrong. Uh, for, for instance, um, I could go into a polling station, uh, pick up my ballot paper, and then nip off to the car seat because I'm absolutely bursting and, oh dear, there's no paper. Mm -hmm. uh, and they can't give me another ballot paper, but I do have this handy sheet of paper right <laughs> here. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it is possible that someone could just simply not file their ballot. And that would lead to more ballot papers being issued than actual ballots counted. Or it could be that the poll station clerk had messed up and ticked the wrong box, it, you know, crossed off the wrong name, or just been distracted by something and not crossed yeah. off a name. Um, so in very small numbers, this won't affect the validity yeah, of the so count. I'm assuming, you know, one or two, not that unusual. From just normal human yeah, it shouldn't. It shouldn't happen. The worst you should always expect is that for there to be less ballots cast than there were ballots yeah. registered. That is the first stage. The second stage is called the nice cup of tea, which is when everybody on the count team basically goes off and has a nice cup of tea. And also a snack. They do feed you if you're in one of the areas that uses a smaller group of people. Uh, my... Uh, area, for example, has let me do it. It's forty tables of four per constituency, three constituency. So it's four hundred and eighty uh, count okay. staff. There are other places like Sunderland. Sunderland loves to be first. They just basically say, "Okay, the entire council's coming in at, ten, at eleven o'clock," and they do it in an hour because everybody checks one bundle in the from the tins, and then they get rechecked. And then it comes back and everybody basically counts one yeah. bundle. Yeah, so, so they do fast. But we we like we do three or four. The process starts at 10 o'clock. As soon as the polls close, we can start counting the postal votes. Um, and it finishes uh, 3 a.m. usually. So it's, it's a trial, but on the other hand, you get half a day off the next day and not as part of your annual leave. Are all the counters government workers? or Nearly all of them. Uh, if they're not, then they're people who know government workers or they're people who are former government workers. They've done it before. Okay, makes sense. Uh, but yes, the great majority of people who do it are council workers. And usually because the uh, the higher grades don't tend to need £120 for working a midweek night, they tend to be at the poorer end. <laughs> uh, this is why I always say to people, please, please do not spoil your ballot. It's meaningless. And the only person who sees your lovingly drawn picture of a spunking cock and balls will be some low-paid council worker at 2am in the morning, often female. They don't need it. Yeah. You know, it's not... The candidate is never going to see it. Your displeasure is never going to be known except to people who are themselves displeased to see it because it's not their problem. Fair so please don't. And the other thing I would say about your vote is please follow the instruction and fold it once. Your, your origami crane is very beautiful, 
but we've got to unfold it so we can get it into a pile of the votes. Yes, actually, uh, so uh, not quite, but we see people. That it's, you know, it's like those wick whacks you used to make at school, isn't it? Where you lift mm. up the flap, you know, you know, pick a number eight. Wick, 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 wick. Okay, pick a colour, blue, blue. Wick, 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 wick. You, you remember the ones? I remember them. I remember. Yes, yeah, so we used to call them wick whacks, but I don't know what other people call them. You've you've got the idea, and yeah, something comes in, it's folded like it's folded like three times over, and then in half again, and there's no need for it. Just fold it once in half. The important thing is no one sees what you did. I have dressed slightly. Let's get back on the point. <laughs> Once we've had the nice cup of tea and the break, we come back and now it is time for the count. We have In between this, the chief returning officer will issue a declaration of the ballots cast. So he will say, usually he'll, he'll just announce to his own people, the count is finished for Hamon Rye, uh, we have had 40,129 ballots received. And that, that's basically it. There'll be no comment on what they are. It'll just be, this is how many votes there were. <laughs> if it doesn't add up to this at the end of the day, have a word. Okay. So after that, we've got the count. Everything by now is in bundles of 100, with a few odds at the end. They will come back to us five at a time, so we'll get groups of 500 votes to look at. And we know there's 500. This is where the sorting by parties begins. Every party has its own basket. And every vote for that party goes into that basket. Upon which we go back to the principle of the tally. Every basket is counted by a separate person and checked by somebody else. And again, they're sorted into 50s, but no longer, it's just, this is no longer, here's a pile of 100 votes, which just has a card on it saying 100 votes. Now it says... 100 votes for the Conservative Party, the Labour Party, the Monster Raving Looney Party, whoever it happens to be. All those votes get put together, and this time, when they are recounted, you also check that the, the votes are in the right pile. So the tally is the short part. It's, yeah. it's, it's long in that you often have to redo it, because there's a missing vote, or we've counted, or two are stuck together, or, or whatever. And the count is a little shorter in terms of the number that you do, the number of counts you have to do, but it's a longer process for each count that you have to do. Because you've got to sort them all out and check yeah, them because, all the time. Yeah, because they have to be sorted and then they have to be checked individually and then checked again. And instead of just going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, riffling them up, it's going, yep, that's conservative, conservative vote, conservative vote, conservative vote, conservative vote, whoops, there's a Labour vote in the wrong pile, and sorting it out and passing it across. Okay. Once all that's done, they get reckoned up, and if they total 500, we're good. If they're not, they have to be checked again to make sure that there actually were less than 500 votes supplied in the first place. This is usually actually where your bundles of 100 and your count verification go and might miss from the tally. Uh, someone's counted 99 or 101, because two have stuck together, or this one slipped and they counted it twice, and nobody noticed on the recount. So it comes back, and there's only 499 you're given. Yeah. That done, they all go back. And this time, there is not a check. There's not a check to say, have you got the right number of votes? Because we've already done it. If there aren't 500 votes, we know we've gone wrong somewhere. And we have to check it and check it again. If there's still less than 500, it will be checked and counted by another team. Okay. But that's... It's not common. Uh does happen it usually happens to me at least once a time but 
not super common and it's not a big thing. And those votes are then bundled in big boxes uh, for each party. Each party's votes, obviously, is labelled, goes in the same box. Each constituency has its own box. Yeah. Uh, because sometimes more than one constituency is counted in the same room. Uh, for example, in my area, we actually share between Shire and City uh, on this occasion, which means there will be, memory serves, six constituencies being counted in one room. So obviously it's important to keep those piles separate. Yeah, that room is actually a 10,000-seater arena. So it's <laughs> okay, not like we're all crammed one. into one corner or anything. Uh, yeah, yes, up here in... Aberdeen, we, we've historically we've used the Aberdeen Exhibition and Conference Centre. We're now using the new uh, Tekka Centre, which is a little further out and is even bigger and hopefully a lot warmer, let me tell you. I would imagine that's Dece important at one o'clock in the morning. In December, yes. Yeah. Yes, it's very important, but it's, more, it's always cold. Yeah. So bring a jumper if you're ever planning on doing this yourself. And I would actually recommend it if you can. Uh, you can contact your local authority. Your local authority is generally the organisation which provides all the counting staff and the chief returning officer is usually the head of the council, not the chief councillor, the actual operational head of the council, the chief executive. Yeah. Uh, but there will be an address. It might be elections at, um, you know, councilname.gov.uk. Uh or somebody will be able to tell you who to talk to. The pay isn't awful. It's an interesting experience. It's a good chance to get your hands on democracy. And if you've ever had any doubts about how legitimate counts are, about what chances there are uh, to mess around, they will put your mind at rest because everything is supervised. Everyone is in a team. We supervise each other. We double check everything. At the same time, we are supervised by agents of all the parties. All the major parties are there. The candidates are generally there wandering around the floor as well. Uh, there are police in the room to ensure integrity. And there's almost always a press presence as well. Because as you've seen, if you've watched the election results, you'll see they'll, get, they'll cut straight to the thing, you know, declaration... You know, we, for the constituency of Hammond Rye, we 27,804 votes for Mr. Conservative or whoever. You'll yeah. see that that is happening live as soon as they're ready to declare because the press are already there. It's not like we phone up the local BBC office and say, quick, send somebody around, we've finished counting. They're there. They're waiting. So at all times, everything is supervised by everybody else. Okay, sounds pretty okay. thorough. That, 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 that's pretty much it, yeah. So because once all the ballots have been counted and everything's been put in its boxes, it's all sorted by hundreds. So then it's go 100, 200, 300, 400, 500, 600, blah, 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 18,300, and a spare 27. And then we know. Yeah. That and once sense. that's done for everybody, that's the result. It's ready to declare. So long as the total of all those votes adds up to the tally that was declared in the original declaration of ballots cast. So it's basically just the much, much larger form of the same sort of stop checking most people who've worked in a warehouse or supermarket will be used to, just done lots of times over. Yeah, it's just there's democracy and there's always a heck of a lot of it. Oh, yes. <laughs> Excellent, thanks for that. Um, yeah, do you have any questions about... I was just trying to work out to all that, roughly how many people have counted and checked your ballots through the process. And it's quite a lot. It can be quite a lot. Um, 
unless if there's no need for a double check at any point then your ballot will have been in the hands of four people and the number of times it's been recorded in account will be three to five uh, plus the final total because that um, initial count that is there check that the, the first person who counted it is right uh, when it comes back it's counted into a pile of votes that pile is checked and there will be one to three count agents at the table also noting down the fact usually it will be one because you tend when you're a counting agent to only note for your own party so it's been so that's even if it hasn't been double checked it's still been basically checked three to five times yeah yeah that when it comes to recounts, recounts generally means starting over uh, you obviously there's been a few especially when the result is very close uh, last time out though uh, you'll recall there were three really close ones which was um, Fife, Perth and Kensington Yeah. Fife uh, came in with Stephen Gethins get a majority of two now on the original count it was out by one vote I don't know which way so the maximum change there was one to three votes Kensington and Perth both finished around 20 votes they both started in the, the low to mid 30s the difference so no more than a dozen votes tend to go missing in a recount okay well thank you very much for that um is there anything we've missed i don't think so in fact we've possibly said more than we intended to well that's uh, that's about par for the course for this podcast well yep. thank you very much for that um i'll return you back to the regular podcast okay so I learned a lot from uh, having that chat, and I hope um, that was interesting to people. Um, so uh, that's what happens with your ballot paper. Um, we thought we might just chat about what happens in the evening when you expect an answer and stuff like that. Um, anyone else want to take over? I'm happy to have a quick chat. So uh, polls are open 7 a.m. till 10 p.m., um, you're all done. Like, if you're in the queue at 10 p.m., you vote. You get to vote. If you get in the queue at 10.01, you don't get to vote. So don't be a prick. And also, to be honest, it's not America. We've got enough polling stations. Just go at a decent hour and there shouldn't be that much of a queue. Mm-hmm. It only ever tends to build up at 8, 9 o'clock. If you can only get out at 8, 9 o'clock, okay. I mean, I guess that's just what's going to happen to you. Wrap up warm. Um, the media will be blacked out the entire day. You will hear nothing about the election apart from really dry the election is happening polls are open polls will close at you will hear no opinion pieces no bullshit you won't get any of this crap we've been having the last few weeks it's the the rules around this are actually tight and people get will get in a lot of trouble if they break them so no one ever does um 10 p.m the exit poll comes out these have generally been pretty accurate, so if it looks terrible, maybe that's a good indicator to get an early night. Um, but if it looks good, crack open some drinks, get yourself comfy. First results, it'll be Newcastle or Sunderland because they always no, Sunderland. It, 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 it's, it's always the Sunderland. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, they always decide to have a race. They get school kids in as forced labour, and you know, get it going. Uh, I think the last that, one's one of those fucked off islands somewhere. Yeah, so ele- yeah, results results start to come in from about 11, 11.30, depending on how quick they've managed to get all that done. 
Um, there will As be we've a load just heard, that can, it's often around the sort of five, six, seven hour mark to do the full count. Yeah, yeah. So they're really going hell to leather to get it in at 11, a, 11 p.m. even. Um, and then there will be two seats declared or something stupid like that, and you'll get about three hours of commentary on what those two, three results mean <laughs> for the country. This is the worst part of the night. And then about sort of one thirty, two o'clock, you'll start getting lots more results and you'll start getting the ones that matter. You'll get things like Uxbridge and uh, South Royslip for Boris and you'll get uh, Islington for uh, Corbyn. Um, you might, you know, it, it might be a while before you see uh, Jo Swinson's because hopefully she's going to have to have loads of recounts to avoid losing and then she'll lose and it'll be funny. Um but yeah, so you'll get you'll get some of the bigger stuff coming in sort of about two AM. It'll be really obvious what's going on maybe about four or five AM, whether it's going to be a really good night, really bad night. You know, that'll be that'll be pretty much nailed on by then. But results keep trickling in until sort of lunchtime of Friday. Mm. But yeah. Yeah. And it'll be all over the news by that by that point. You just turn on the news at any point and, and they'll be not stop talking about right. it. Election coverage is 10pm until 10pm? <laughs> like they never <laughs> 10 stop. 10pm until never stop. beyond the finish, whenever that may be. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Um, and like you say, there's there's not going to be any coverage of it on the day. Um, so if, you, if you're if you curious about what's going on on the day, you have to take to like Twitter, where you'll see loads of people complaining about how you you need to put your vote in pen because <laughs> the, they only make you use a pencil so they can rub it out. <laughs> Um, and all that sort of horse shit that comes around every time. The only, it'll, it'll be great. Look, it's all about dogs at polling stations. I couldn't give a shit about any of the rest of it. There'll, there'll probably be at least one story of some like kindly Brexit pensioner who's tipped his own milkshake or his yogurt all over his trousers <laughs> or whatever and claimed it was, claimed it was oh, momentum was hooligans. Oh, yeah. Dear. Um, and yeah, as I said, if the exit poll looks shitty, get an early night. It's not, it's not worth your time. If it looks great, you know, start maybe believing. I know hope's a lie, but, uh, you know, maybe by that point, hope is real. Well, on the subject of destroying our hope, I think Jamie might have some comment or commentary up for us. Yay. I do. For once in my life, I've actually prepared, so... <laughs> All right. Oh, dear. That's probably a bad thing. Let's, oh. uh, let's get cracking then, I guess. All the usual excuses paraded here. If sexism truly exists, then we have historic examples that show it does not apply to leaders of great quality. The prime example here, of course, is the Queen, who has so many factors operating against her in a modern democracy. Unelected, filling a position by inheritance rather than by selection on merit, a woman. What more need one add except to say that she is an exceptional person who commands the respect, probably almost unanimous, of this country and the nations of the Commonwealth. Miss Swinson is not in the same league in ability or leadership qualities, and this has nothing to do with her being a woman. Is that comment or commentary? What the fuck? That's that's a thing. Is that yeah. is that that's a fucking three? That's a triple hit her right there. That's um, sexism isn't that big a problem because the queen is amazing. And Joe Swinson is bad because she's not like the Queen? That's what, what I got out of that. That's, oh, my God. That's amazing. Uh, 
It's going to be one of those really weird comments that feels like commentary at, isn't it? I'm saying comment. I know. It, yeah, it can't be like a Guardian commentary at because it's against Joe Swinson. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with unless comment, it's, but it's close. Unless it's like a real, like sort of old school, you know, like kind of classic Tory, born to rule horsefucker type. Um, I'm I'm going to guess comment. Yeah. So is that all three for yeah. comment? Yeah. Well, it was a comment. It was from Conservative Home. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so well, I mean, I it was is half a right. Horse fucker, then. Yeah. You've been learning from Rob, haven't you? <laughs> All right, on to the next one, then. Life expectancy is only an average and includes early mortality, leaving many of the rest of us to live to 90 or even 100. That means those train drivers in France who insist on retiring at 52 expect the state a euphemism for other people, to carry them for up to 50 years, decades longer than they worked. Is that comment or commentary? It's a good fucking idea is what it is. Um, I'm going to say comment because that little bit there about the state, a euphemism for other people just sounds like your average sort of anarcho-capitalist libertarian fucker on Facebook with his deep thoughts. (laughs) Commentary from one of the more interesting places uh commentary out from the specky um i'm gonna say comment because we don't really have any like sort of uk versions of like dave rubin or you know those those the, those weird old classical liberal types we've got some but they're not anywhere near as widespread enough so i'm, I'm gonna go for comment again oh well matt had it there it was commentary it was lionel shriver in the spectator oh, geez. <laughs> nice. well hang nice. on lionel shriver is american though isn't she yeah yeah uh, Ah, you yeah, got but that me. Was, that was that was an article about the waspy women. Oh God! And how Lionel Jesus. Lionel Shriver is part of that cohort who's not going to get a, a pension um, on time because of the waspy women thing, and agrees with that entirely. That you know what I mean, and thinks that the pension age should be ninety or something. No, being fu- <laughs> being fucked over is good, actually. Yeah, it is. It's not blood in my those, mouth. Those it's victory wine. Just want something for nothing. Yeah, num num, tasty bootlick. God. All right. Ah, uh, you had me there. Despite quite often voting for it, I have never much liked the Conservative Party, what with its smugness and inertia. But when I see those five leaders wagging their fingers at the British electorate and telling us what bad people we are because we want to be an independent and prosperous country, I find myself quite passionately wanting a Tory victory. Comment or commentary? <laughs> uh, commentary, I think. That's, uh, that's a very self-righteous bit of writing there. I'm going to go comment. Hmm. No, I'll go commentary. It's, it's believable. Oh, it was commentary. It was Charles oh. Moore in The Spectator. Ah, there you go. Self-righteous. What did I say? There we go. What we've learned <laughs> is that Spectator articles are a lot like shitty under-the-line comments. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's I'm a, still... a fair assessment. I'm still reeling that my guess was Dave Rubin or like an American classical liberal, and then it was an American writing just in, in one of the worst UK papers. Oh, <laughs> in <yeah>. the... <laughs> okay. All right. Today's virtual leftists now see racism racism everywhere, even where it doesn't exist. They're convinced all Tories are racist, that all Tory voters are racist, that Brexit is racist. The great irony to their spying of racism in every opinion they disagree with and in every community they view as too pro-Tory or too pro-Brexit is that they are exposing their own prejudices. 
Indeed, this hysterical and phony anti-racism that spots racial hatred in every nook and cranny of mass society is the key prejudice of our times. Comment or commentary? What the hell did I just hear? It's comment, but you Actually, actually being, not, be, being against racists is, is racist. Yeah, I'm specifically going for it's your dad. <laughs> it's commentary at. I don't fucking know. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> That's what it is. Um, oh god! I've got to pick one, haven't I? Uh, fuck. Um, oh jeez. Uh, comment. Fuck it. It's your dad. It was commentary at it was Brendan O'Neill in Spiked. That's your dad. Oh. That's your dad. <laughs> <laughs> I keep forgetting Spiked exists and I'm always really happy oh. when that's the case. Well, when I said interesting places earlier, I meant places like Spiked and the Spectators. <laughs> right, we've got we've got two more to do. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Give me a I second. I mean Elijah might be dead, but you know, we can we can, we can soldier on. <laughs> Okay. I need a cigarette. <laughs> Another point is important here in regards to the Meachin case. We should report this event as what it is, a racist hate crime, and use it to test the waters. If the police and CPS refuse to take any action on this blatant case, then I think it will be beyond doubt that Mr. Meachin's prosecution was politically motivated and unfair. Is that comment or commentary? That's about Count Dankula, right? That's... Yeah, that's that's who that's who uh, Mark Meacham. Yeah, Mark Meacham. Uh, ooh. <laughs> My favourite Count Dankula uh, in like tidbit is that he's too toxic for fucking Magic the Gathering players. He got banned from the local store. And he's really <laughs> fucking salty about it. Oh dear. Anyway, um, that's that's commentary at. That's commentary. Commentary, yeah. What did you say, James? Commentary at. Oh, well, you're wrong. It was a comment. Oh, no. It was on Spike, but it was a comment. That's That was mm. easily wanky enough. The bonus question for that one, though, is which racist hate crime do you think that commenter is referring to when they say that it should be passed to the CPS to see if they treat it as seriously as they did the Nazi pug thing? Oh, he's got other ones under his belt. Shit. Um, no, 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 no. Oh. They're not talking about. They're not talking about a meeting. They're talking oh, right. about how this hate crime is so heinous that you could pass it to the police and they would not. They would, but they wouldn't investigate it because they they only investigated they only investigated Mark Meachin out of political motivations. Right. Um, so what 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 hate crime hmm. from from recently do you think that is uh, has got this guy so spun up? Uh, for hmm. rec- as Shane said recently, I thought I'd, I'd have gone for gammon. It happened in December, so... Uh, uh, it's going to be yeah. something specifically anti-Tory or anti-Nazi. Is it uh, Boomer? Oh, it is not, no. Oh. Mm. Good guess, though. Mm, boomer is the N-word of ageism. Gammon is the N-word of labour. I don't know. Um, yeah. I, I know. I what else is there? <laughs> it was... It was Nish Kumar's comedy set at the Lord Tavernous <laughs> Christmas lunch. Was that the anti-Brexiteer one? Yes. That's a, he's a very oh. inoffensive comedian. The, That's the very one funny. The like, bread lobbed at him for. Yes. 
Yes, oh, him God. him doing jokes about Brexit and about the Tories was a racist hate crime. <laughs> much, much worse than teaching a pug to Nazi salute. Lovely. Oh, oh, dear, oh we've got one we've got one more. Right. And I I, I warn you now, it's a fucking scorcher. Oh, oh god. Today, the white man's burden has been inverted. <laughs> yep, you're right. It's a scorcher already. <clears throat> it is not the West's duty to colonize, but to welcome any and all migrants beseeching the white man and woman to provide what their own rulers will not. Sufficient food, adequate housing, jobs, education, health care, and so on. The foundations of a happy and prosperous life. It'd be fucking nice if we did or that. Commentariat? We aren't providing fucking food and housing and shit. Fuck me. Uh, is, uh, is this like some federalist bullshit or something? Fuck. Uh, uh, I'm going commentariat because of all mm. the like, all the like, oh, you know, railing, railing, you know, pro-colonialism, all that kind of bollocks. I'm going to say comment. I think commentariat, it's got that thing where... Right, so like most most writers, even like most right wing journals, even the really racist ones, will be somewhat aware that it's kind of bad form to like explicitly talk about people's race and ethnicity and skin color. So they'll use some kind of um, a- attempted allegory or literary device. In this case, talking about the white man's burden as a as a historical sort of socio cultural phenomenon or talking point, so that they can then go on and feel like they've got enough cover to um, just write what they actually want to write, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I think I know uh, what you mean. I'm sticking with commentary. Yeah, yeah commentariat yeah. for me. Commentariat is yeah, probably it the was, mail. It was commentariat. It was Rumi Hassan in Quillette. Oh, wow, okay. Oh, and the Quillette. article, in case, you, in case you want to look it up for yourself, the article was called The New White Man's Burden. No, I will be giving that a miss, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think I'll pass that. <laughs> oh, well, that was enlightening. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, yeah, I think that's it from us for the moment. Um, so, yeah, as we said, get out and vote on Thursday. Whichever way you're voting, get out there yep. and vote for something. Um, if, if you can get, if you can get out and help other people vote, get get your base yes. out. That's how elections are won. Do the thing. Even yep. if it's just helping your na- your elderly neighbour or something, you know, get as many people voting as possible. Yeah. Um, anyone want to plug their Twitter account? Should they have one? Yeah, you can find me uh, at Klezmer Rouge. Uh, that's a joke about the Khmer Rouge and Klezmer music, which I find very funny. Uh, no one else seems to though. So. But uh, that's where I post my shit. Uh, you can find me at MF Crocker. You can find me at Brovine of Board, although I don't really say much. You can follow the Twitter. You can follow the the podcast itself at PraxisCast. Are you still banned, Jamie? I am. Yeah. <laughs> <Naughty>. <laughs> and we have the live stream coming up on Thursday, which will be starting probably about half nine, somewhere around there. Um, that will be and that's at. Twitch.tv slash PraxisCast, I believe. Mm-hmm. That's the one. So hopefully we'll uh, see a bunch of you there. And as we end this episode, we thought we'd like to share some opinions from our podcasting collective about the election and who we're supporting. I'm voting Labour to fix our NHS and take back control of our services.
I'm voting Labour because I want to see the party that introduced the bedroom tax, PIP assessments and the destruction of our private services ground into the fucking dust. I'm an immigrant and not allowed to vote, but if I could, I'd be voting SNP because I believe in an independent Scotland and I believe that the Tories need to get the absolute fuck. I'm voting Labour because this government is killing people and we can do better. I'm voting Labour because capitalism has brought around untold human suffering. It is time to bring it down. I'm voting Labour because of the future, because of the present, because of the many. I'm voting Labour because it's high time the country had a government that works for the people and doesn't just work for shareholders and other assorted rich Tory cunts. The manifesto is better than my Christmas list. I'm voting for Labour because I want to see a positive quality of life available to everyone, not just those who can afford them. I'm voting Labour this election because under the Tories I've been made to suffer. I was unfairly kicked off disability benefits, told I was fit for work while simultaneously being too ill to claim job seekers, and later told by people at the job centre that if I had no money for food then I'd just have to starve. For many people this election is a life or death situation. I am voting for life, I am voting for Labour. I'm voting Labour because we need a green industrial revolution. My mum worked for the NHS for a pretty much her whole career and it was the NHS that tried their level best to save her at the end. So I'll be voting Labour to save the NHS from the Tories. I'm voting for Labour. I'm voting for hope.